Okie dokie, welcome back into the We Shall Not Sleep podcast. Thank you so much for joining us once again. We're back with another week, another episode. Thank you for those who continue to follow on our hosting site, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts, including Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, our YouTube channel, and thanks for the updates on our Facebook page. Continue to connect with us, and I, I'm so close to making another announcement, but I can't do it at this time. I'm, I need to talk with a few more people, and I don't know, maybe we'll have uh, a special announcement here in February or so, because some new opportunities have arisen, and I want to jump on it, And but I, but I don't want to do it too quickly. I don't want to make haste and just rush into something that may or may not work, but if you could be praying, uh, because I think you all would enjoy it, at least based on the feedback we've had in the past, it certainly could be great prediction for the future. So I appreciate it. So um, something was was challenging me this week, some thoughts I had, and it's in regards to two passages of Scripture that are found in Matthew 13 and, and Mark chapter 6. Now I'm going to tease that for you. I'm just going to let it go there. Matthew 13 and Mark chapter 6. Now, it's hard for us to, to picture what it would be like living amongst the day of Jesus, in particular for us Americans, because it was a completely different type of society, and how we look back through our historical lens is not without bias. There's always going to be a little bit of a, a bias to it, and I, I'm just wondering if maybe we take a different approach here in this particular lesson from these two gospel passages. So Jesus was born in Bethlehem, we know that, but his hometown was Nazareth. And what's interesting about, about Christ and his journey, even though the word and, and like gossip and, and rumors would spread slower, slower back then than it would today, it still spread about Christ and, and who he was or what he was supposed to be. But remember, the, the Jewish people, for the most part, rejected him, especially the teachers of the law. They, they did not think he fulfilled any of the signs that the Messiah was foretold to have given. And as far as what he was supposed to look like, act like, instead he's born out of wedlock, technically, because of the virgin birth. He's born in a manger, uh, literally in a feed trough. He's given an opportunity to work, but as a carpenter, which is not one of the professions you would just brag about. And then he's from an area of the world, which we glean from John chapter 1, when Nathaniel says, Nazareth, can anything good come from there? And whether it's your hometown or it's another city here uh, or wherever you live, everybody knows that there are cities of ill repute, right? There are cities that don't have the best reputation. And maybe sometimes even our small hometowns are like, uh, how's, how's your hometown? Eh, you know, there's not a whole lot to do. Or, you know, it's kind of boring. We, we kind of talk it down, right? There are very few people who absolutely brag about their hometowns, at least younger people. I think older people have a perspective on, especially if they've lived there a long time, on on the true values and, and what makes a city uh, worthwhile and respectable. Every city is going to have crime and have issues, right? But 
um, it, it takes a different perspective. So if you if you look at that, it does it makes sense. It makes sense. Like, what do you mean, Nazareth? Oh, that's that's not that's not a place that that a future king or a Messiah is going to come from. He's supposed to like come down out of heavens with hellfire, and he's supposed to displace this Roman government that's been persecuting us for centuries upon centuries, right? Uh, well, not Rome, not centuries, but the historical persecution of the children of Israel. Uh, and the Jewish people as a nation, yeah, there's been you know, centuries of, of persecution up to that point. Well, what's so interesting is that when Jesus performs any miracles in the Gospels, he's not doing it to glorify himself. And in many cases, we read that he dissuades people from telling like about it. He doesn't want the glory for himself. He doesn't want to be associated as this healer because he knows the two things. One, Self, self-glory, that is, that is completely antithetical to what the Bible teaches in Christ's character. But then also, people might seek him just so they can, you know, get better. Not because they want to seek him for the, the changing of their souls, right? So that's what we read in John chapter 6, I talked about discipleship, is that once people realize that either they couldn't get lunch from him anymore... Or that this idea that you consume him was like, wait, well, I can't be a cannibal. Or, wait a minute, I'm supposed to put all my hope and faith in you. You are the actual Messiah. Like, I don't know about that. And so you had disciples that even turned away, not just these followers who just liked getting free food, which would make sense, especially if you're poor, right? Especially if you're poor and you got a, a, you know, a, a access to food, a consistent a place where you can be nourished, like that's that's just an easy thing to understand and comprehend. Well, what's interesting is that Jesus goes back to his hometown and these miracles, which are brought about by the person's faith or their faith is rewarding them, it's, it's also giving glory to God, is that he is prevented from doing miracles there because it's mentioned specifically because of their lack of faith. And you can just say, well, that's a huge indictment on Nazareth, but are we really any different in this society? In a way, aren't we Nazareth? Because we we have we might have celebrities. Everyone has like a celebrity from their state. You can go online and say celebrities from Michigan, celebrities from Texas. And then maybe you can get, if you're from a bigger city, celebrities from your specific area. I don't know any specific celebrities that are from you know Jackson, Michigan. Uh, even though it's one of the several places that claims hold a, a birthplace of the Republican Party, take that whatever you will. Every I don't really care about that, but everyone has that that maybe that celebrity or in, in their state, and it's like, hey, isn't that where that so and so is from? And depending on if you know the person or know of the person, you get different responses, don't you? People who are like, oh man, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, we're from, we heard no of him, or we are kind of like, well, yeah, that's that's where I'm from, and or maybe it's a specific event, like didn't that happen? And you just kind of roll your eyes, you sigh of like, oh, I gotta tell this story again, or no, I don't know him, don't talk to me about it. I'm from that town, but I don't know who this guy is. So at this point, rumors would have been spreading about what Jesus was doing, what he claimed, and of course, the game of telephone, the the mentality of that would be true back then. P- stories get embellished, get exaggerated, flat-out lies uh, in both directions, both 
in like the miraculous and unmiraculous ways. And so when he comes back home, and, and not that he was coming home for a parade or anything, he wasn't like a sports team would just want a championship. He just goes goes back and he can't he doesn't even have the opportunity. He did perform a few miracles. We're not saying he didn't perform any, but but it's it's noted specifically twice as an indictment on Nazareth in both the Gospels of Matthew and Mark that because of their lack of faith, and I'm thinking, you got the the disassociation aspect that I would imagine would have been present of, of people saying, I don't like this guy, I don't want to be associated with him. But also, like when you hear stories from afar and you come back home and you're like, yeah, this guy is just a human. He bleeds like the rest of us. For us, I mean, there, there's there's a reason why cessationists exist. Those That's a, a faith tradition that believes that miracles stopped after the apostles died. Um, and now I don't hold to that type of theology. I have not personally, though, witnessed any what you would define as miracles in my life regarding like healings or or like something like walking on the water or multiplication of food, stuff like that. I have never experienced that. I've looked back in my life and say, oh my gosh, God certainly did intervene, but do you want to put it as the same level of a miracle as what we see Jesus do? But put it this way, I'll just make a thing. Miracles happen every day in my in my belief. But I've never seen something that's been documented in the New Testament that Jesus did. I've never witnessed that. But I know and trust people who have been the recipients of it or have seen it secondhand. Absolutely, I do. There's no motive for them to lie because the story's not about them in the most for the most part. And, and so from an understanding that the Bible seems to say it's a connection because of the lack of faith. Well, of course, of course they don't happen. I mean, it's anti-scientific. That doesn't make any sense. That's impossible. That cannot happen. All these excuses. Well, of course, we don't need miracles if we can just understand everything through a scientific rhetoric. We can explain everything away. There's no need for the miraculous. So our faith is tied up to what we can prove and not prove, let alone not in just a philosophical debate, but in the lab. And the Bible seems to say that, you know, it's through the lack of faith that these things didn't happen. Ultimately, it's giving glory to God. We can have as much faith, but if it's about us, and it's not about giving glory to God or seeking God, saying, I know that you can do this. I have faith that you can heal me. Sometimes it might not be God's will because Jesus did not heal all that came to him. He couldn't have. It would have been logistically impossible. And specifically, some of the things that we take to God really don't need to be healed, especially if they're a, a product of our own circumstance. You know, it's not going to say, like, I made a mistake or, you know, I cheated on my wife and I'm just going to ask, uh, you know, I'm not married, for example, but I'm saying, I cheated on my wife and now I'm needing a miracle to save my marriage. Well, God, I need you to just miraculously save it. Like, wait, why aren't you, are you trying to avoid the consequences of your action? It's different going to God asking for mercy and forgiveness and, and for healing versus I just want you to wipe it all away or just, you know, I, I hurt my foot. I need, a, I need you to heal me. It's a lot different. Our motive is, is self-preservation at that point. And motive is huge. And, and yes, people in the New Testament with, with these ailments certainly were seeking self-preservation, but they believed everything in their heart. They're saying, oh my gosh, that guy can heal. Please heal me. Go. Your faith has healed you. Some say it's because Jesus is not physically walking on earth today. That that's why he can't physically interact and, and touch people. Well, I guess we just throw the Holy Spirit out the window, right? 
my question for us is, how strong or weak is our faith? Because it's my understanding that the United States of America, this church, we are Nazareth. There's no need for miracles. Even if there was, would we have enough faith to ask for it? Let alone be recipients of it? I'm not sure. Something I've just been rolling around in my head and how do you increase your faith? Well, I have an understanding that do you really have a, a trust in the Bible and trust in God? If it's only experiential based, then yeah, people, no wonder people can just say that, yeah, it's just an endorphin release. It's peer pressure. If you were went to a Buddhist temple, you'd be a Buddhist. You really wouldn't be a Christian because you don't really believe it's true. It's just how you grew up or you went to church instead of synagogue with somebody, right? It's just left out the chance. Our, our faith in our Christian tradition has to be more than chance, right? Is our belief in Jesus about chance? Like we'd have woken up on a different side of the bed. We'd be a, we'd be a, a Muslim. We'd be a, a Buddhist. We'd be a Hindu. Or we would be an atheist or agnostic just based on how our day went that day. A butterfly effect, if you will. I hope this gets you to think. That's the goal. In any case, I appreciate your time. May God bless you, and may God keep you.